0: Hello, my name is Kevin Shields and welcome to the Crack Trail Podcast, episode 26. I think I might have said this a million times by now, but it's been some fucking time. Um, Although there is a a new secret episode, which uh, will never see the light of day because it's the biggest pile of shite I've ever recorded. About a month ago, I actually recorded an episode and I was just, I was more just doing it because I was like, I haven't done one in ages, I want to fucking get one out there. I once actually started, i I talked for maybe ninety minutes. And I was like, "This is all shite." It was the night after the Oscars, so I just started talking about what I was about at the Oscars, and then I remembered the Oscars doesn't matter. There was nothing interesting happening at the Oscars. There was nothing interesting nominated at the Oscars. I was fucking filling air for uh, for no reason. So I just said, "Actually, this is shite. I'm gonna delete that." And uh, yeah, completely deleted, unretrievable, if that's a word, because uh, it was just shite. And and that's the thing, like I I i know most of this is shite me just fucking yapping for about 85 percent of it before i actually do reviews and whatever else but uh i actually feel like i had something to say in previous episodes whereas that one was literally just i, I may as well have just been talking to myself daydreaming so that's gone and uh, no one will ever hear it. uh but since then i have watched a lot of shit a lot has happened in the industry most of which i've forgotten as soon as i hit record there so, uh, my memory of that won't be strong. Actually, from what I just heard today, Tom Cruise or not Tom Cruise, but someone within the crew of the new Mission Impossible film has COVID. So I'd say Tom Cruise is fucking raging after he uh, went fucking bananas at everyone last year when all this shit was kicking off, and uh, it it kind of made him look a bit a bit of a prick. But he was right, seemingly. So. Eager to see now what happens is the Mission possible is that going to be delayed any longer or what's going to happen um, speaking of Tom Cruise Top Gun will hopefully be out this year and cinemas are back open so yeah I mean the last time I was on this we were still in level 5 lockdown because we're an idiot country and we're still a fucking idiot country anyone who sees what happens on the weekends over here in town just knows that we're a nation of fuckwits and the police are a nation of fuckwits too but or guard police I don't fucking what I'm talking about But cinemas have opened since Monday, and what's kind of interesting and a bit disappointing is the three main films that I want to see that are out, well, I've seen two of them now, or have I seen two? No, I've seen one of them now. Um, But two of them are currently available to stream through HBO Max and what the fuck was Spiral on? i think spiral might be hbo max as well or maybe the conjuring but one of them could be prime i can't remember but they're both available online now and i think a quiet place Two is coming to amazon in america actually i think that's what it is i think i think conjuring three is on pro or hbo max spiral might be on prime and i think uh this new quiet place film is gonna be on prime so the three kind of movies that will be out of the cinema are going to be available to stream so the allure of the cinema at the moment isn't that strong i kind of only want to see like big movies there like dune i want to see in the cinema i've been saying this since last year i want to see that hopefully i don't i don't think it's shot on film but hopefully there'll be a 35 mil print available showing in the lighthouse and i can just fucking see it the way it's going to be seen there might be a 70 mil print in the ifi but the i5 is just not a comfortable cinema like it, it does so much for sean films but it's it's just not a cozy cinema the lighthouse is the most cozy cinema um but i've yacked about the lighthouse numerous times at this stage i'm gonna move this close to me i'm as you can probably hear i don't know if you can hear i'm back up in the bedroom at the moment because i started recording these episodes in the conservatory but the conservatory is now a fucking microwave due to the fucking poisonously hot heat so I'm avoiding that the best I can because I do not work well with heat. Um, but I thought I, I hadn't done an episode in a while, and I have a lot of films to talk about, so I'd like to talk about them. But it's more a chance now for to I mean to announce something I've been teasing for fucking ages. Um, I've been saying about doing a YouTube channel. Um, I wanted to get set up. I'm gonna do. I was planning while I record it on the DSLR and do it in hd and i thought actually i'd probably be better off just doing it on my phone it'd be fucking quicker and easier to edit and all this shit because uh, i don't i don't want to do typical youtube and that was the thing that fucked me over years ago because i i remember before i had written some reviews i said i might actually read these like memorize how they're written or have that on a screen in front of me and try read them as if it's a review channel i thought no there's nothing authentic about that at all plus it'd be shite i don't like the editing i don't like typical youtube viewer styles where i because all this quick cut editing all this bullshit it doesn't need to be there i'd rather just talk bollocks for a while but then again i don't want to just have it as a, a video podcast the same kind of thing so i'd rather do something a bit more unique i think a lot of it i think a lot of what i do on youtube is going to be geared towards stuff i've actually bought and talking about them rather than new rev- new movie reviews but i probably will do some of them as well and i can of want to do a few lists whether i actually appear in those videos i don't know because i do have a uh, a light that was kindly donated to me. By my friend Karen. Who does makeup. So she had the proper light. That I could actually use to have a torch on my face. Without blinding myself completely. Um, But I haven't gotten a chance to actually record anything yet. But now I have a purpose. Because I mentioned. I'm pretty sure. When I had my first batch of Vinegar Syndrome stuff. That I got. Fuck knows how long now. Two three months ago. And uh, as I said they're like they do their own masters of these blu-rays that they release and these are probably the most boutique label i've ever seen but what's funny about them is a lot of the movies are just trash sleazy horror and porn films so it's kind of funny that like you look at criterion obviously criterion do a fucking amazing job they're very up their own arse but they do an amazing job particularly if you get an edition of something that's going to have say a digipack or a slipcover or it's gonna look nice in some way it'll fold out and they'll have like particularly Wes Anderson stuff they do a really good job with they've loads of little details and in jokes within the posters and stuff like that they do a really good job with them but in general a lot of them are just basic box and that's kind of it whereas the level of detail that Vinegar Syndrome go into not only with their masters but the slipcovers the boxes the extras, it just, it's just hilarious that it's for movies that people, a lot of these movies, people would have just said, that will show once in a video shop in the back arse of Wisconsin in 1991 and never see the light of day again. And here it is now, a boutique savage Blu-ray being released alongside any fucking 4K film you can imagine. Well, I I spoke about them before and I said that I have my eye on them. And I know that they do the half year sale. Um, well every year. Well they do two sales a year. They do a sale in November. Which is kind of their end of year sale. They set you up for the next year. And then they do a half year sale. Which is halfway to Black Friday. Which Black Friday is fucking the end of November isn't it? Thanksgiving is day or either the day before or the day after. I think it's the day after. So people can be nice for a day. Before they go around killing each other. Like fucking idiots. But they had the sale on now and <laughs> it's probably the mo- there's probably the biggest sale i've ever bought from in my life like it, did, like the haul that i have coming to me now is the biggest haul i have ever done ever in my life uh i don't even want to say how much i spent on this but let's just say it's <laughs> it's like a mortgage amount um the thing with it is i mean i've had i've had hauls that like the indicator box set haul which again i planned on talking about before and the arrow one that i got in their uh, april sale but as i said i feel like it's not really doing it justice talking about it on the podcast here where i'm just describing all these boxes i got it'd be better if i was actually doing a video showing them off for anyone who might be interested to be like all right here's what th- comes in this box set whatever else but if you look at the arrow one i got 19 items and some of these items were box sets with four films, six films. One has sixteen movies in it. So there's a lot of movies there, but there's only like a small po- small box. Fucking hell, a small box of films. Well, what, well, <laughs> what well, I have coming from vinegar syndrome currently is racking up to about fifty-five movies. All of them are separate limited editions. Some are limited. Some are the standard ones because uh, the limited editions sold out, but. I like what they do. Every sale that they have, they release four special boxes that you can just buy separately to the film that you can have for the movie. So it's really fucking nice that they do that. Uh, so it can st- you can still have a limited edition without, um, even if you've missed it before. Um, I think they're different artworks as well, but they look nice. But this, I'm not even going to list all the shit I fucking got because I've, fr- I've already forgotten all of it. There was a few... 'Cause I knew the sale was coming up, I wanted to have a look through the list. Like were some newer movies on there I wanted to get that weren't gonna be half price or anything like that, but I, I wanted them. And of course I did the pre sale purchase, which is like ten new release or eleven new releases, um across six boxes. So one of the boxes I think has four no three movies in it, another has three, another has two, and so on. Um so, I got all those pre ordered. And then I went to the website like a week before. Because they actually have to shut down for a week before. Because they know it's going to be so hectic on the website. That says a lot. If Arrow ever have a sale, there's going to be a sale. And it's it's not that hard to fucking rush in and get stuff. You might miss the odd special edition, which I unfortunately have with some stuff. But in general, like they can handle it. Whereas Vinegar Syndrome, get bummed. Up the fucking hole so bad every time they have one of these sales on that they actually have to prepare for a week. And now the website's actually shut down for the rest of the month. They have, see, they have partner labels, which some I I got as well. So, say, for example, on Arrow's website, you could buy uh, like 88 Films Blu rays as an additional thing on their website. They're the only things available for sale at the moment while they recover from the vinegar syndrome bumming that they just received so it's a big fucking deal but the week beforehand i went in and i made a big list list was fucking colossal with all the shit i was looking to get and i was like i'm gonna whittle that down by the time i get there and i did i whittled it down a good bit but then when i got there i pretty much got everything i was looking to get (laughs) anyway bar a few uh one i was half disappointed uh there was this Like the fucking editions they release. uh, Because I think I mentioned before. They've got three different. Sort of sub labels. So there's Vinegar Syndrome. There's Vinegar Syndrome Archive. And there's Vinegar Syndrome. Is it Ultra? It's VSU anyways. I don't think it's actually Ultra. But it should be. It's basically 4K stuff. But the VS ones. Vinegar Syndrome. They're just standard. VSA. The Vinegar Syndrome Archive. Are. Movies that were initially only available on video. That are going straight to a big booty Blu-ray now. And that that box that I got of Martial Law. One and two of these goofy late 80s, early 90s martial arts movies. of Cynthia Rothrock. They come with these really nice slips. Like hard box. like unless us think their basic slip covers are fucking three times as thick as normal ones. They're really just limited edition. They feel really nice. Um, but the VSA is going that. The VSU is a... Uh, this one it has like a magnetic box that opens up and it has a book inside it and all this kind of shit and it's real it's like a big box of fucking luxury chocolates it's amazing how it looks but they had beastmaster and i was like i want to get back. that that's the kind of number one goal but that sold out almost instantly and i was raging but what they did was they released a regular limited edition of that now to get so i picked that up um so it wasn't a total loss but i was fucking gutted to miss that but that's kind of the only thing i missed everything else as i said was just insane limited editions and <laughs> it's, it's overwhelming and as well you can get these special protective covers which i've bought a fuckload of to put the limited editions inside of and they fit around to see the vsa boxes are bigger Amer- american blu-ray boxes have a they're smaller to regular blu-rays they have an 11 millimeter width to them So they look really thin, whereas the ones we have would be 14. The average, like, say, PlayStation box would be a 14 millimeter box. And I don't know why Americans have thinner ones. I actually prefer the thicker ones, but all their thinner ones, anyway, will have slips on them. So I have special boxes for them. But their VSA ones are as thick as an average Blu ray that we would have. So I got a shitload of those protective boxes because I can put some of my actual limited editions, like the Arrow stuff, into them as well. Um, the nerdiest shit on earth but I don't give a fuck. Um on top of those see, I see I can't remember what I got announced with them now. I think they were the key things I got all the movies and oh sorry phone's vibrating loudly into the ear of the microphone so I'll move that away. Um why would this go on silent? My phone is actually refusing to go on silent. This is uh new and concerning. Hmm. that could be fucked well i'll figure that out later um what was my point yeah so i think like of all these of all those uh special boxes coming and i'm thinking this is going to actually be the size of a tv the box that arrived to me because <laughs> like a lot of them would have to be full of padding and stuff like that like this is going to be it's going to be like a fridge coming through the fucking door and i can't wait but i have decided that will be the first video i do so I haven't decided where I'm going to be on camera or I'm just going to have my fucking hands or what way I'm going to do it. But I'm going to basically go through the whole fucking haul that I got from Vinegar Syndrome, talk about the movies. Most of like, I, honestly, 90 fucking 8 percent, maybe more, maybe all of them. I have to think about it because, I, I, again, I got so many I have to look at, but almost all of them, if not all of them, are blind buys. And stuff that comes highly recommended. So uh, my friend Ed King. Who. He runs Horathon. Over here at the IFI. I got some very good guidelines off him. As to what will be worth getting and what isn't. So I basically I just sent him a list of all my stuff. And he just said yeah that's good. That isn't. That's good. That isn't. So I have full trust in the quality. That I'm going to receive of this. There were a few as well. That I just looked at and thought. No one I know has seen these ever so there be a decent risk purchase, I hope. So we'll see. I know there's probably a couple I'm gonna end up selling on, um, and that th- I mean these are ones that I was getting anyway. There's one I don't like Albert Pyon. I don't like his movies. They piss me off. And one of his big special editions is, was one of the pre-order ones, a Secret Movie. So I'm getting it regardless. I'll watch it. If it's good, then fucking great. No loss there. If uh, if it's shite. I'd probably well I say I'd have no trouble selling it on. I probably would have trouble selling it on. I don't know anyone who actually wants it, but at least it's a limited edition that might someday sell out so I'll wait I'll wait till then and then I'll see what I can do about it. But um yeah, so that's that's my only I suppose future plan so far in terms of getting a YouTube channel sorted is making this fucking video where I I don't know how long it's even gonna take, but I'm gonna be going through a lot of fucking movies. And I think it'll be interesting, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Um, actually, an interesting Blu-ray related and podcast related uh, bit of news, which seemingly at the time, at least, I was the only fucking person talking about it, and I cannot understand why. Um, there is a boutique label in America called Twilight Time, and they tend to do a lot of like it's kind of odd stuff they do like really classy 70s movies and stuff like that they would do a twilight time special edition so again it's the same as show factory or arrow or any of them but more in the criterion direction the more high class highbrow kind of shit and i know i don't know whether they went bust or i know they had a sale not long ago where it looked like they were just getting rid of all their shit I, i can't remember if they went bust if they did that's disappointing but they were mentioned recently, like I any podcast involving Quentin Tarantino, I am going to listen to it. it I generally don't think there's a, a, a director or person out there more interesting when it comes to talk about movies. I could literally listen to him for fucking hours on end. Um but he was on the latest Pure Cinema podcast. And I think they're I think they're his mates from the new Beverly cinema in LA, his cinema. I think he, they're involved in that way, so they they really know their shit as well. Like when you're listening to them, they don't just sound like nerds who fucking kind of know a little bit. Like they sound like they actually really know what they're talking about. So it makes the conversations really interesting, and they they'll bring up movies that I'm like, no one has seen that. And Tarantino's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's that was my choice that I was going to talk about today. Like they all kind of think on the same wavelength, so it was really interesting. But when they were in it, Quentin Tarantino talks about Twilight Time and says, oh yeah, I'm in talks with Sony now. To set up my own Blu-ray label. Akin to Twilight Time. And he's going to call it the Tarantino Archives. And how this isn't. World earth shattering fucking news. I don't know. Because. Him doing his own fucking label. Is going to be serious. One thing I hope. Is that he puts. Vinegar Syndrome level. Effort into the restorations. Because he is mad for having actual prints. Like he has 16 male and 35 male probably 70 male prints of a fuckload of movies in his gaff. So he could if he gets the rights to them, he could actually use his prints. They could be a bit nasty prints though, like if they were gonna be like grindhouse style ones, they might be a bit too muddy to restore, but he could actually use his prints to restore them, do an amazing job. Get a team behind it to do a proper 4K scan of whatever movie he wants to do. Hopefully, do commentary on it, which would be fucking even better. Add, I don't know. You'd probably get a whole host of extras. I'd say that anyone would be like, if they heard, oh yeah, do you want to do an interview or whatever for Tarantino's fucking Blu-ray label? People are gonna jump at that. He'd probably be able, easily be able to get in contact with some of these stars, even if they're forgotten stars from some seventies movie and they're in their fucking nineties now. He'd probably have no problem being able to get in contact with them and get rare interviews with them and all kinds of shit. So. There's a whole world of opportunity here. I hope that. Now I don't know how he is. When I, when I say gimmick. He's probably not interested in slipcovers. He probably wants it like a video shop. Where it's like you open the box. You play the fucking film. He probably wants that for Blu-rays. So he might be like Criterion. Having basic boxes. But I'd love if he was doing. Vinegar Syndrome level or Indicator. Like Indicator do really fucking good special editions. If he's doing box sets like that. And putting his name to them. I think fucking, that's going to be seriously big for any Blu-ray collector out there. So I'm going to be fucking all over them. And it's kind of an, an immediate glowing recommendation. Because here's the thing. With Vinegar Syndrome. With Arrow. With 88 films. 101 films. Not every film that comes out with them is going to be at all interesting. Because some of them are based purely on. They have a cult following. Some of them are like dog shit films. That like something like Evil Head. I, f- I hate that film so much. But there's a huge demand for it When it came out on Arrow. And people were delighted it came out. And I thought I couldn't give two bollocks about this film. The fact that it belongs to Arrow. Or it belongs to uh, fucking 88 films or whatever. Doesn't just immediately sell me. But the fact that he's handpicking all these movies. Will have me immediately sold on any of them. 'Cause he's I, I trust his gut when it comes to these movies. So if it means I can fucking see something that I never thought I'd get to see before, curated by him in a potentially new master, and he, he especially if he's overseeing it, he'd know. This is shit he would have saw in the sixties and knows, okay, this is how this is supposed to look, and this is how that's supposed to look, and he'd fucking make it look its best. So fingers crossed that that's the road he goes down because i thought it was fucking tremendous news no one seemed to be talking about it so i did a post for it on the crack trail instagram so some of you might have seen that but again it it it's not garnering nearly enough attention people should be fucking all over this shit um unless of course it's within some small groups on facebook cuz i don't have facebook anymore so it it could be floating around there and everyone's talking about it and i just don't know but from what i can see it seems to be very fucking quiet um, but yeah, I'm going to immediately just crack on and do some reviews because I want to keep this. Well, I don't know if I'll fit it into an hour, but ideally an hour because I want to start back with just a clean hour and then I want to get into a better flow. Because, like I said, <laughs> I keep going on these big fucking hiatuses, but what happened last time was a fucking, that was a crime of a podcast. And I, I've, I've no pride in it. Like, I don't even think I could even do an example of how dull it was. It was just musings for fucking ninety minutes until I actually snapped out of it and thought none of that's usable. But hopefully fucking any of this shit's usable as well. Um but since then I have seen a plethora of fucking films. <laughs> uh and I'm trying to think what direction I'll work in. See last time I was on, I don't remember if I talked about much new stuff. Not sure if I talked about nobody, but I will talk about it. Um i do remember i started talking about mortal kombat that was another thing i trailed off just explaining nearly the entirety of mortal kombat and i was like yeah this is gone um so i'll start with some new stuff i'm gonna talk i'll talk about red dot really briefly um because i can't remember whether or not i talked about this before but i just want to give it a, a a brief mention uh I think it's made for Netflix That's where it was released Over here anyway I don't know where it was In America But it's a Swedish I should have opened These fucking menus quicker Um, I actually have no idea If this is Swedish or not Hang on It's not English Where the fuck is it? Yeah it is Swedish Oh there you go Good guess um the Swedish thriller anyway about this couple who are going to live or not live they're going on a sort of vacation up into this Aurora Borealis gazing area uh in the middle of fucking nowhere and while they're out there they are seemingly being hunted by a red dot which means that there's a rifle on the other end of it and they have absolutely nothing around them to save them and it's pretty much just a fight for survival of them through the night avoiding this hunter essentially coming after them again very very brief in that description there but i don't really want to reckon about it um because there's, there's a lot going on in it and it's it's interesting where they go and it's a very very bleak film which i appreciate but i do think my suspension of disbelief got stretched to go bit. it's pretty fucking daft um it's good tension it's actually different to what I thought it was gonna be um, a lot of it actually takes place during the day but the, the initial hunt begins in this nighttime scene as it's done really well uh, I feel like it like it's bogged down by sort of obvious maybe not obvious twists. but twists we've seen before you might not know they're coming in this film but you've you've seen similar and uh, and a lot of it seems more convoluted than it needs to be which i suppose kind of adds to the whole now nah, actually any of the words i was about to use there would actually be considered a spoiler so i won't but it's an interesting thriller i think the performances are good i like the direction it goes uh and it has a very nihilistic atmosphere to it but it, it, it's silly and even i think just even the logic in some parts of it doesn't really make sense to me I think I think there's some genuine mistakes that were used as key elements to the film and I think that did hurt it a little bit too but it, it is worth a look, it's on Netflix it's literally like 85 minutes, you fucking fly by you could do a lot worse but uh, you won't get a masterpiece out of it um, Nobody, I don't remember if I talked about, it. it's in cinemas this week but of course I saw it was available to stream online so I bought that and watched it and it's effectively because this isn't a spoiler either because I mean you're, you're going to get this idea anyway even the poster is sort of a, a bit of a piss take of John Wick too uh, but Bob Odenkirk of Better Call Saul fame probably or and Breaking Bad fame plays the character Saul Goodman and I've always just seen him as a comedian character with hints of drama as you would see in the likes of Better Call Saul the best show on uh, TV the last 10 years Um but this he really goes above and beyond he spent two years getting into shape but not unrealistic arnold schwarzenegger shape just good shape and uh doing a fuckload lot of weapons training because this is effectively what it would be like if he was a schlubby fucking everyman who got his gaff robbed and he decides i want revenge on the people who robbed my gaff and scared my family and he has a A bit of a secret. John Wick. Life. Behind them. And that's. Again. About as much as I want to go into detail wise on this. Because it's fucking. Probably one of the most entertaining films of this year. Um. Maybe the most entertaining. That that said. I still don't know what my first is. Like I had The Empty Man up there. And that kind of still is. But it's. The more stuff I watch. I'd have to really rearrange it and think. Because there's been some fucking very good stuff this year so far. Um. Some fucking duds as well Which I will get to But Yeah this one This one might be up there as probably the most enjoyable I had a fucking blast Watching this uh, The action scenes Are fucking brilliantly choreographed Really well done It's so good to see him Doing a lot of his own stunts as well Like he really put in The fucking work Cause I mean you could half ass it Like Gleam Neeson In Taken 3 Where he fucking 45 angles of him Hopping over a fence Because if he was to do it for real Both his hips would jut out And he'd shit his cacks but then again, I actually do like Name Neeson. It's just that he needs to fucking pick better fucking roles. Uh, I'll be talking about his fucking shite movie going up next. Um, but yeah, this is, this is a very fucking solid action thriller. Also a dark comedy. It's by Ilya. Oh, how do you fucking say this con's name? He's the Russian guy who. I don't know if anyone remembers that Biting Elbows music video. Um, I think, I think it might have actually been his band, now that I think about it. But um, Ilya Neisshuller, I think that's how you say his name. He's a Russian guy anyway. Or he could be Ukrainian, I do no fucking clue. But he made these music videos for, I'm pretty sure, his own band that were these action fight scenes. And they're really well done. First person things. The first one is okay. The second one he just fucking goes all out with time travel and all this kind of mad shit. And it was extremely impressive that he managed to do this by himself. And that whole head cam idea turned into a full feature film. uh, Called Hardcore Henry. Which was originally a short film called Hardcore. Which was made to be like a video game. Um, And this kind of feels like a first person video game as well. So he's gone from that to doing a much bigger. Much better. Way more interesting. Action thriller with savage. Fucking choreography. And I think it was written by the guy. Who wrote John Wick. I have to look at his fucking name here. Um yeah dave or derek uh colstad so he seems to enjoy doing revenge stories i think he comes up with just a basic revenge idea and then he just comes up with unique interesting ways to use weapons and whatever the fuck else but this film is just a fucking blast from start to finish plus you have christopher lloyd in there and rizza <laughs> in an unusual fucking trio um but it's just unbelievably fucking entertaining really well choreographed the action, the writing is actually strong in it and the laughs are there as well so it, it does a lot right and it's fucking it's brutal too, it's like really grisly, vicious fucking action scenes and I was just like I know compared to Mr. Show and uh, the sketch stuff that Bob Odenkirk would normally do, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul was still funny in the role, a departure from his usual stuff this is a much bigger departure and it's hard evidence that he's more than capable of commanding the screen in a fucking gritty action movie so hopefully he's not just fucking pigeonholed to do an action from now on but at least you can pick him for fucking any role and it could work easily believably because it's another thing he's not it's not unbelievable because he's doing his own stunts fucking even christopher lloyd did his own fucking stunts everything appears more Grounded in reality, so it's just it's also way better than John Wick because he gets the fuck kicked out of him in this. Whereas John Wick, as entertaining as it is and brutal as it is and whatever else, he's too invincible for his own good. So this was a breath of fresh air. So nobody, it's in cinemas now. But if you're still a bit, if you've ever gone to the cinemas, uh, you can buy it in line. Um, the next one, fuck me, all right, made in Italy. It's uh, Liam Neeson and his real life son. Who I See this fucker's name now as well. Um, my or Mihal Richardson is the two of them ah, I don't know how you'd even describe this it's almost like a sort of memorial goodbye kind of movie to uh, Natasha Richardson is uh, Liam Neeson's wife or what was it 10 years ago I think it was a decade ago it was about a year before The Grey came out because The Grey seemed extremely personal as a result of that but his wife unfortunately died in a skiing accident. Obviously, Mihal's mom. So they decided to make this sort of father-son bonding movie about them returning to Italy from London to do up this gaff that's owned by the mom and sell it. So that I can't remember why they have to do it. Something the son has to do anyway. He wants the money for it to, for some sort of divorce reasons. Um. So I thought, okay, this could be quite a fucking strong emotional drama following these two because it's extremely personal the subject matter for the two of them. Um, it's a lot of it's probably based on actual maybe conversations they had or whatever else. So th- there's a lot of interesting shit in there. What you get is the most generic by the numbers garbage fucking rom com drama. It's just so fucking twee and shite. And you just know exactly where it's gonna go every fucking second of it. I I, I just fucking turn my stomach, and it's a shitty, hideous-looking fucking movie too. Somehow not as hideous as the film I'm going to talk about shortly. Uh, not next, but later on. Um, but this is just it's it's one of those films you look at and go, yeah, there's a reason people shoot on film like this is, was it Tuscany or wherever the fuck it is, somewhere really nice in Italy, and you're getting it in these. Garish fucking Badly colour corrected Image It's like If you shot that on film That would look Fucking amazing But Hell whenever So Made in Italy It was straight to prime I think it was made for prime And uh, It was dog shit I Wholeheartedly um, Don't recommend This fucking pot of shit um, Actually that's That's kind of the, the Mortal Kombat now Would be the The last one I reviewed On that Fucking dog shit podcast as I say, Mortal Kombat, a movie that I wish was better. Um, they still haven't quite nailed Mortal Kombat. Every time they do a movie or a TV show or some sort of property with it, they haven't got it right yet. The one that got it right personally right now, if you look at Mortal Kombat 2, I grew up on that, so I love that. I even like Trilogy but and 4 especially, because I, I, they were the three that I played most. And then I, I remember when I got Deception, I think it was, uh, I played that game back to front too, so I got really into all these games. But the one that actually really nailed the story was Mortal Kombat 9. And that to me, the story mode than that is the movie I always wanted to see. So you could actually, I think, pretty, pretty much, I think on YouTube, if I learn how to speak again, on YouTube there is a compilation of all the cutscenes to make a feature film. Now I think it's like fucking three hours, or I don't know how long it is. And the way the cutscenes work integrates into a fight so you could be playing as Jax and you run into a room and you have to fight fucking I don't know Melina or something but you don't kill her in the fight instead you take over a Sonya then and you start a new kind of fight with her and all the fights don't really lead to fatalities until story wise it needs to so you could be fighting this character for the whole fucking like five times and then on the last one is the one where you get to fucking do the fatality and it really feels earned and it's really well done um that's just so much more interesting. All the movies today, right? I love the nineteen ninety-five one. Unironically. I actually I grew up on it. It's daft, but it's so enjoyable. I've always liked it. Annihilation, the less said about that the better. I remember the Conquest series was dog shit. The fucking Mortal Kombat Rebirth, which was this Mortal Kombat teaser idea, kinda of like the Punisher Dirty Laundry one, and there was a, I think a Power Rangers one was done as well. Where they were just like Let's go down a really gritty. Adult version of these properties. I know the Punisher is already adult. But like. A more adult one let's say. The, the Punisher everyone kind of wanted. Um, they did this thing on Mortal at Rebirth. Where they have your one. Jerry Ryan. I think her name is. Uh, She plays Seven of Nine. In. Next Generation. I think. I don't really know my Star Trek at all. But she's, she's in that anyway. And she's playing Sonya. And Michael Jai White is playing jacks and i thought fuck that's a great duo and they have it where like baraka instead of being this demon from fucking outworld he's just a crazed brazilian plastic surgeon who stuck blades in his arms you have reptile who instead of being an acid spitting lizard is just this really scaly fucked up diseased guy who should have died as a kid but he's now just an adult cannibal like they they went really interesting ways about Bringing these characters into the real world. I mean there's still supernatural elements there. You do have Scorpion. You do have Sub-Zero. But. They really grounded it in reality. And I thought. Fuck that's a fucking great idea. That's going to be really good. Eventually that got pitched as Mortal Kombat Legacy. And again they were just like. "Uh, Let's go back to Outworld. And do the exact same fucking thing we did already. So again they still didn't get it right. And then you had the Scorpion's Revenge movie. From last year. I think it was. An animated movie that has a savage a half-hour animated Dante's Inferno-style opening of Scorpion becoming Scorpion, and then you basically just have an animated remake of the 1995 film with a bit more gore. So they st- to date they still haven't done it right. So I thought this new Mortal Kombat movie, you have fucking what's his face from the Raid in it. Uh, oh, fucking hell. again names I keep fucking getting to open this thing. So what's his fucking name? Joe Taslin. right? So he's in the Raid. He's absolutely savage. He's playing Sub-Zero. Already have me on board. You have Hiroki Sonata. Who's going to be playing Scorpion. Already this is fucking the best thing ever. But then you have this guy Lewis Tan. Who's just some nobody. He's not a Mortal Kombat character. Who is there to drive the pot along. Rather than this being a big tournament held. By fucking what's his face. Shang Tsung as this big. Good versus evil outworld versus the real world fucking battle it's basically like the weeks leading up to it it's pretty much a prequel film where they're like the battle's going to happen soon but we're going to have a few scraps now and the way fatalities and, and special moves and abilities that you'd see in the video games work is if you kill someone who's marked for this tournament you too will become marked like a birthmark and you develop a special ability it's, a, it's an interesting enough idea Um doesn't quite work a lot of the film doesn't work but a lot of the film does work as well because it's actually extremely entertaining from start to finish uh the guy who plays jacks i've already forgotten his poxy name he uh he's one i think josh lawson that's the name yeah because he was, he was in a few things I've seen. he steals the movie really so he's not only funny in it but he's a proper scaldy he doesn't give a fuck about anything I don't really buy that that he's so crap at it though. you think he'd at least be able to fight. There's a reason they picked him. Um, and like the, the guy. I can't remember who plays Luke Kang. I don't even want, want to remember his name. Because he was just embarrassing. But you have some of these key characters. That are thrown in for the sake of going. Remember these characters in Mortal Kombat. Instead of actually making a really good fucking story out of it. So it's a bit. Let, it's let down in the story department. For sure. The pacing. The gore. And the fight scenes are all actually pretty strong. It's definitely entertaining all the way through. There's some funny bits. I the way certain fatalities work, like there's a whole section of it where it's basically everyone is basically getting a turn to show off their fatality. So it just feels really, it's like structured almost like a YouTube video. It doesn't feel like, oh, you got to see this character die in this scene. Now it moves on to the next one and what will happen next. Instead, it's just like right. You have these three fights happening simultaneously. A fatality is coming to each of them. And some of it's a bit lacklustre. But they do a few things I've always loved in Mortal Kombat. So I was glad to see that come to life. But I can't help but feel that the first 10 minutes of the movie. Which is pretty much a samurai film. With Sub-Zero and Scorpion. That would make a far better feature film than what they did with this. If anything they should have just had a movie called Mortal Kombat. Scorpion vs Sub-Zero or something like that. And have their whole back story make the second film this build up one and then the third film the tournament there's your trilogy already what they did with this structurally is all over the fucking shop but i i can't deny i did enjoy watching it i didn't think i would i think the lead guy is dog shit and uh just typical edgy mma guy just oh, there's, there's a lot of fucking shit wrong with it that i hoped they would have got better really gareth evans should have made this film um the director simon mcquaid instead of quaid he seemingly has done nothing at all before. He's just jumped into this colossal property. I don't know where the fuck he's from or what he's done, but he's—he just seems to have an empty CV with a fucking huge blockbuster movie on his fucking resume now. So it's interesting to see what he'll do next, considering he can do fucking anything. Um, what's next? The Mitchells versus the Machines, which had a different name—I can't remember what it was. This was uh, entertaining. The two lads who were behind. Did the group behind the lego movie and behind into the spider-verse were all together on this one i think i don't remember because uh, i'm just going, going back now to fucking start in may so i can't really remember but they're involved anyway um and it's a movie where a new and- or, it's not and or a new iphone-esque style app is released and it decides to take over the world and this family who are on a road trip to bring the daughter the mitchells basically the daughter is going over to i think la if i remember that right to go to college to study movies which i was really happy to see because not only does i have my nephew interested in movies now so i can force as many movies as i can on him but usually these types of characters want to be a musician or they want to be a fucking veterinarian or an artist or something it's rare that they actually have a huge keen interest in movies and a lot of the movie is about her interest in movies so a lot of that was done really well um and i was happy to see that but the the main thing that actually grabbed me about this was the fact that danny mcbride plays the dan and he's a real oh you don't need technology we've got fucking firewood and all that kind of shit so it's about this family on this road trip getting involved in a world where technology's taken over and there's a lot of really good tongue-in-cheek taking the piss out of evil rich fucking tech corporations and data mining and all this kind of shit which i appreciated uh but also kind of gives you the the oh, warnings of the word the advice to just put the fucking phone down for a while. um overall it's actually quite enjoyable there's a, a set piece in a shopping center which is arguably my uh, favorite bit of the film because everything is implanted with chips so you have almost every item in the shopping center as an enemy and a scene involving Roombas if you don't know there they're those small disc style hoovers that drive around on their own and clean your gaff up but they go to shit once they go near stairs so there's a good uh, piss take on their functionality in this film, and I just thought it was done really well. The, the whole film was actually quite enjoyable, uh, and it's a Netflix one as well. I think I don't know whether it was originally supposed to be for somewhere else, and Netflix bought it. I'd say there's a ton of fucking movies that were meant to have different releases that are all being flung online now or taking lesser fucking uh, amounts to be shown on Netflix, which I've just reminded myself now. Uh, what are they called? prime amazon have bought was it mgm which means they now have the rights to bond which means they're probably going to be the ones to release the new James bond movie and i mean finally but also that's that's gonna go so poor like i mean people are gonna watch it but that's something people want to see in the cinema so if they can they should release it in the cinema because there have been some some amazon movies that have had cinema releases so it is possible but uh it would just it would be strange to see a bond film just fucking i mean it's already in dire straits but it'd be just strange to see it release online i don't mind i'll see it fucking either way eventually even though i still haven't seen spectre or fucking i saw of one yeah i saw skyfall i still haven't seen spectre though bond is a weird one for me it, it does massively interest me um uh, but yeah mitches the machines while we're watching or versus the machines uh it's on netflix so i'll give it a look um, speaking of things on Netflix I haven't watched it yet But Bo Burnham's Inside Is something that has my eye Because I've always been a big fan of Bo Burnham And I'm glad he's blown up in the last Couple of years Because he did his Director of debut He did 8th grade Which was fucking great And uh, Seemingly connected really well With a younger audience too Which is decent uh, Often rare So I'm glad that got to happen, And he showed off his kind of dramatic chops acting wise in um, Promising Young Woman. Like I've seen him in the likes of Parks and Recreation. A few other things where he always kind of plays a dickhead or a goofy character. But he got to really be serious in this. Even though he's still funny in it. But he's like the situations his character's in are more serious. Um, what he's done from what I can tell. And I haven't watched it yet so I am going to watch it. Because I, as I said I trust his stand up. But while in lockdown, he's done an entire stand-up special, 90-minute stand-up special on his own in his house, making music and doing routines. And I think it's a really interesting idea because no one else has really done that. A lot of comedians sort of just sat there whinging or they started doing a podcast where it wasn't that interesting. He went all out and did a fucking whole special. So very eager to see how that turns out. Next one is something that I found not only disappointing because college... Or is it college Yeah it is college Who do the score for it College you probably recognise most From Drive That's where they kind of blew up And they were at the forefront of this Neon retro 80s electronic music Style music That came out And I had seen that they Had done the whole score for this movie called Come True which is a weird uh, bordering on horror sci-fi drama I don't, I don't really know what the genre of it is it kind of dips in and out of a few things not very well um, but I, I watched it and the score for it I just thought was fucking dreary I thought they'd do a lot better but other than the score the movie just pissed me off because it promises such an interesting idea where you effectively can view recordings of your dreams and the dream sequences in this film are brilliantly done they're really eerie atmospheric almost like silent hill ashy cold look to them it just just looks visually really nice and then for some reason every character involved it's it's a girl who she's basically left her gas she's had some sort of argument at home and refuses to go back So she's more or less homeless. And her idea of being able to get away from that is. She's going to do a sleep study. So it's like oh we just want you to come here and sleep at night. And we'll study you. So effectively that's a free bed for the night for her. But as it goes on you start seeing more of the dreams. And the other people in the study have similar dreams. Which I just found annoying more than anything else. But I remember watching every time a dream sequence came on. I was just zoned in and hooked by it. And then once it left that. It was the most boring shite with the fucking worst performances a leading woman with the fucking pizzazz of a kick in the bollocks with the deadest eyes you've ever fucking seen totally unbelievable just situations the characters get into just irritating so much about it they did wrong but there's aspects that are interesting that's what made it all the more annoying for me because those dream sequences are great they have a horror element in There's a whole sort of sleep paralysis demon vibe. That they're trying to go for. But. Even then. like It, it almost hurts to ha- have this retro. Almost 70's looking lab. That they're working in. It just. Everything about it just pissed me off really. And it's a shame. Because it, it has the ingredients to be something really good. And it, they made a balls of it. Uh, even the music couldn't save it. Like. That that's a, that's a bad sign when that fucking group are doing music that I find dull. They're fucking one of those exciting fucking bands out there. but yeah this just oh, it was just a waste plus the color correction. Jesus Christ, the bluest fucking film I've ever seen. You swear it's about junkies in Dublin. The whole thing just it's this horrible blue tinge to it and it just oh, it's just a hideous looking fucking movie. It, it, it those, those dream sequences deserve better. So that's called Come True. I don't recommend it. It's irritating. Uh, a short film which almost feels like a Coen Brothers film. And could work as a feature film. it's about 35 minutes. But I thought was really enjoyable is The Letter Room. With Oscar Isaacs. And he plays a. He works as a prison security guard. And he gets promoted to be the letter guy. So letter will letters will come in for people who are in jail and he has to basically screen them and make sure they're not covered in drugs or giving instructions to kill people or anything else so he basically schemes through them but he ends up becoming obsessed with this woman who's writing love letters to a guy on death row and it's his involvement in that that's the most I'll say about it but it's it's the kind of thing I was looking at it going this would make a really solid feature film it, it's almost a shame that it's a short unless of course as it happens with a lot of good shorts they end up becoming a feature film and if they do it i'd like oscar isaac in the lead role again because he's really good in this and it's a i think it's a good sweet idea but also there's a, there's a tinge of dark comedy in it I, I think it's very well done and uh would highly recommend that as well jesus flying these now um tom clancy's without remorse i haven't read anything by tom clancy i've only played the splinter cell games and the rainbow six games now and then i don't know what constitutes as a correct adaptation of his work so none of that was in my mind while watching this and i thought it was very entertaining it's a solid action thriller it has weak enough characters really fucking surface level two-dimensional shite and the plot isn't exactly that interesting you've seen it a million times before there's a lot of like red herring characters you're like immediately you hate this cunt so he's probably going to end up being good later on and lo and behold exactly what fucking happens um so like those elements aren't the strongest i don't really give a fuck about them the actual tactics and action set pieces were really strong um stefano salima who directed sicario 2 and sabura and he did some of the um what's that fucking italian crime oh he did zero 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 as well but what the fuck is that poxy thing Gamora, he did uh some of the Gamora series so you have his direction which is really slick and well done and he can do he can handle action brilliantly he does a lot of stuff practically too so much practical action in this which is what made it much more thrilling uh and what's his face wrote it if i remember his fucking name taylor sheridan who he's involved in the next film i'm going to talk to now uh, talk about now in a sec and it's not good, but he of course wrote Sicario one and d- wrote and directed Wind River, so he's, he's someone he's fucking he's a talented guy, um. So those elements worked really well for me. I thought it was a solid fucking balls to the wall classic fucking action thriller. It was panned though, and I think a lot of that comes down to the fact that it's a terrible adaptation of whatever the book is. Now, like I said, I haven't read it but I've been hearing people talk about it and they're saying that almost none of it fucking happens the way it's supposed to happen in the book and to to even call it the same name is an insult. None of that matters to me because I've never read the book and I don't give a fuck about it. So I got what I needed from it and it's a really satisfyingly entertaining action thriller. It's nothing you've fucking never seen before and you're not going to fucking be changed by the end of it but you're going to have an enjoyable what, near two hours watching it. So, give it a look. Plus, I like the cast. Um, The other one I was going to talk about is Those Who Wish Me Dead. And fucking hell, this movie gave me a poxy fucking headache. You've Angelina Jolie in the lead. John Bernthal is in it. Aidan Gill and Nicholas Holt are playing lunatics. And the basic idea is Angelina Jolie is put on Firewatch because... Of a traumatic fire related incident. She's a smoke jumper. So she has to go in and fight forest fires. And rescue people or whatever. But she witnessed something traumatic while she was there. So now she's just going to work up in a fire watch office. And at the same time. I have to try to think what way the fucking old family tree works here. I think it's her ex-husband's. Sister's. Husband. So brother-in-law. Uh, is involved with these. Top criminals, so they have two hitmen sent after them that played by Aidan Gill and Nicholas Holt, and they're essentially hunting this chap down, which leads them to where Angelina Jolie and all them is in Montana. I'm not really describing that well to be honest because it's, a, it's, a, it's not really a basic idea, but actually, I suppose it is. These people are on the run, and the guy. No, I know what I've done wrong here, I forgot about the son oh Christ, luckily it's not a fucking good film so it doesn't matter if I make a balls of my explanation here but the guy who's being hunted by the criminals his son gets away with the information that these criminals want and he decides to run to his brother-in-law which is John Bernthal and that's where this whole plot's gone Um, the fact that Taylor Sheridan wrote and directed this although I think it's based on a book but he he approved the screenplay uh, is massively disappointing the fucking the action scenes are are gritty, but they're not really that interesting. It's really stupid. Like suspension of disbelief and character behavior is very weak in this one. Uh, I feel like because I've seen this for a lot of films, it's one of those movies where I think they thought of an idea like this character will climb up here and do this, but they didn't think about how they're going to get there, and they just have these scenes happen. So many cliched moments needless action scenes as well i don't buy angelina jolie as an action hero on this at all not one bit um the, the fact she's up in this kind of fire tower they, they need to give her something to do rather than just sit there moping all day so they have all these ridiculous scenes of lightning about to hit the tower and she has to do action-packed jumps off it in time and i'm thinking none of this belongs in this fucking movie it's just it's so out of place and it's so badly done and uh i, I just found it Bitterly disappointing, uh, especially because Taylor Sheridan is usually so much better than this. So, those who wish me dead is not one worth watching. Those who wish this fucking film was over. Um, what else we got here? Uh, Freud Barry is a bizarre fucking film. Uh, I can't remember the director's name though. he's South African. His name is Ryan Kruger. Um. And the basic idea of this film is there's this really dickheaded, drug dealing, drug addicted, fucking scumbag named Barry, who just abuses everyone, he fucking his wife and kid hate him. Everyone in the streets thinks he's a prick. He ends up getting really high and abducted by aliens and replaced with an exact copy of him, who in a sort of bad boy bubby-ish way is going around seeing i suppose the beauty of humanity through the eyes of a piece of shit and he's trying to figure out what's going on and just does all sorts of magic and they pretty much made this movie because the guy gary green he's a man, but he's just a he's like jim carrey his face is rubber he just does all this mad shit and i they just wanted lots of excuses to have him do bizarre weird shit it's based on a short film of the same name and the short film was pretty much him becoming too high in a warehouse and pulling all these faces and getting all fucked up and crazy this goes uh, in a much more i suppose positive upbeat bizarre direction i didn't love it i think there's some very kind of fun ideas in there and i did did have some laughs in it it's definitely weird it takes that box but it just felt like bad boy bubby light and bad boy bubby's fucking amazing so this felt like a a big step back on that just in terms of him going around discovering the world um it's worth looking. look if you want something really bizarre and filled with fucked up sex and violence. And Well, when I say violence, there's not a huge amount of violence in it. I thought it was going to be a lot more. Uh, a lot of it's just him kind of involved in strange situations. But there is this whole subplot in the middle of a serial killer that just is completely out of nowhere. That's like its own short film. Badly shoehorned into this. So I don't know why they included that. But it's entertaining nonetheless. And it's very, very fucking strange. So if you want a really odd viewing experience that's the one to go for. Um one of the best of the year now for me um was Oxygen and that's another straight to Netflix one um by Alexandra Aya or Alexander Aya, the say it. um he directed Switchblade Romance and he produced. no he directed uh P2 as well, which is an okay film it has one really great bit in it. Uh, he did Life or the Nine Lives of Louis Drex. He did Crawl more recently, the Crocodile movie, and he did Horns. So he's has his toes are dipped in horror pretty much all the time. But he does really different and unique shit. Even if I'm not in love with a lot of his movies, I think they're all good. I love Switchblade Romance though. He does interesting, unique shit all the time. This one though, along with Switchblade Romance, will probably be his best one. And. On the surface, it's basically a science fiction version of uh, "Buried" with Ryan Reynolds, whereas Ryan Reynolds is him trapped with just a phone in a coffin, buried somewhere in Iraq. This is a woman who wakes up effectively in an isolation chamber, which is designed for as like a medical uh, ambulance box type thing. And she only has 30% oxygen left. So she has to try to use all the technology around her as means to escape. And that's as much as I want to say about it. It is the kind of film where you just want to get sucked in and figure out the mystery as you go on. I thought it was extremely compelling. What bothered me to no fucking end though is Netflix. Who automatically have it on dubbed mode. Which is a crime. I don't know why the fuck they bother doing that. They're the ones producing it. as a French film. Fucking leave it the way it is. But you can thankfully change it back to French dialogue with English subtitles, and it's infinitely better, of course. Uh, but Melanie Laurent is the lead actress in it, who is the most gorgeous woman on earth in *Inglorious Bastards*. So great to see her still acting and not aging a day. Um, anyone else in it? I don't really recognise. I mean, there's kind of a uh, sort of flashback stuff in it as well. Unlike *Buried*, which is just entirely Ryan Reynolds in the box, which I thought was a uh, a brave move this has a bit more freedom and leeway and they do some interesting stuff with it um but it's, it's one i don't want to say anything it else about i just think that Alexandra alexandria Ayer has done something really special with this one uh i wouldn't watch it as a double bill with fish plane romance because one is an extremely grim brutal gory horror and the other is a really good psychological thriller in a sci-fi setting so they don't really complement each other well but i do recommend both films this one is a lot more accessible than Rich Pay Romance, so I fully recommend it. It's on Netflix. You've zero excuse, and if you do have an excuse, write it down on paper and bundle it up and show it up your fucking ass. Um, finally, it's the last one I'm going to talk about now. Actually, no, I've two to talk about, uh, as well as this. So, right, there's the friends reunion, which at first when i heard this even happening at all i thought oh no that's a, a brutal idea this could go terribly and it nearly did because james corden is involved and james corden is a cancer on society and should be ground down to dust and f- stuffed up steve from jackass's ass and farted into the air that's all he's worth um I know I'd like tell, tell you how I really feel but I, I haven't even scratched the surface with that cunt but once I heard about it I thought are they going to do an episode are they going to do a movie I wasn't sure what they decided on was a far better idea and that is essentially to have a, a cast reunion first time all six of these people have been together properly in an interview or whatever setting in fucking how long nearly 20 years so I think was it 17 years 2003 2004 it so since then and they were going to just reminisce about the show, visit the old sets, play that fucking uh, lightning round game that Ross invented and answer kind of trivia questions about the show, have guests come on. A phenomenal idea for a reunion and phenomenally executed as well, because they got to see all these characters I like talking about stuff. Uh, you got to have probably the funniest meme in years for the Irish come out of this. Of course uh, English meme pages tried to rob it. And they fail miserably. But it's uh, just O-Lad's Uncle Joey. Because Joey <laughs> looks like such an Irish owlad lad in this. That it is just absolute heroin for uh, for memers out there. To make gold out of it. Um, all of those elements are done brilliantly. With the Friends Reunion. And I loved all that. But it's interspliced with this sit down panel show almost setting where James Corden is sitting there asking them questions and it, oh Christ, he's so shit, he's so fucking out of touch and crap who can't read a fucking room, I don't know why Americans like this cunt at all, it's probably because if he was American he'd never have a career it's because, oh he's English, he's charming, he's not he should have had Graham Norton on there fucking Irish lad who could appreciate the Irishness of Joey and who is a phenomenal interviewer and would have really given them room to fucking relax and enjoy themselves. But you have James Corden trying to make his shit jokes. Trying to make it like, oh, look how many fucking celebrities I know. Because that's what this ends up as. They do a Friends fashion show. Where they have popular outfits and costumes from the series over the 10 years. Modelled by Justin Bieber and Cara Delevingne and all these. And I'm like, why are these cons here? They have nothing to do with it. Then you have these really annoying overly wanky fucking uh, little like Vox Pops nearly of people talking about how important Friends was to them and then you have David Beck going oh my favourite episode is this one who gives a shit what his fucking favourite episode is this is just a way for James Corden to show off some celebrities total shite and it really hurt what is a really really good fucking reunion because at the heart of it it did everything I wanted bar this it, it's a, it's about an hour and 40 minutes I would watch six hours of that cast sitting together, reminiscing, talking about the old days, looking at like the old sets that they all signed on the last day, telling stories, deleted scenes, production stuff. All of that. Fantastic. Loved all of it. But then it's just bogged down so bad by this garbage interview situation with that garbage cunt and all these shitty celebrities just trying to get a credit on something. They just want a credit on an extra thing on IMDb. That's all I felt like. So you will get the satisfaction of seeing a decent reunion while watching this. You just won't get the reunion you deserve because James Corden had to cunt his way onto the screen and ruin everything. But um otherwise, yeah, great fun. Thumbs up. Uh What are these fucking last two now? Right, so Army of the Dead. I'm going to keep this brief because I don't need a fucking quadruple bypass but Zack Snyder after winning all of our hearts yet again with the Snyder Cut of Justice League well most people's hearts he got to set out and do his full indulgent the original vision for his DC universe and that was fantastic that's great that he was able to do that and it was important for the film industry that he got to do that and it set a standard. Immediately has. A zombie film coming out. Now his f- debut movie was. Dawn of the Dead. Which I've s- gone on record many times. And said is one of the finest. Not only debut movies. But finest remakes. Of a horror film out there. It took the general premise. Of people trapped in a shopping mall. During a zombie outbreak. And it turned it into something. A lot more modern. And a lot more. Fast paced. And thrilling. I love the original. This one did. Something different. While also. Being faithful to it. Didn't shit on it at all. And it just did a fantastic. It's amazing. He did such a good job on it. And that was the birth of his slow-mo. As well. There's tons of it in it. And obviously I love Watchmen. Whatever else. But. He made Dawn of the Dead. So I thought. He's doing Army of the Dead now. This is surely going to be. Ten times as big. He's. Always shoots on film. Usually 65mm. This is going to be. A seriously fucking. Audacious fucking zombie movie. Done by. Zack Snyder. So it's going to be full of style. It's going to be huge massive budget. It's 18. So already you think right. This is going to be gory and fucking mad. and Whatever else. And it It's so underwhelming. It's actually like getting a hot needle up the arse. Because. Not only did he shoot it digitally, he was the cinematographer with the worst eye for visuals I've ever seen, considering he's so fucking good, usually. The movie has such a shallow depth of field that everyone just looks in focus when they're... Like, if, if someone's talking into the camera, you can see their face, but the background is entirely out of focus. Not a little bit. I'm talking... You would swear that there's like some sort of Instagram filter highlighting only him. It's so fucking badly shot. It's an ugly looking movie. The colour correction is dog shit on it. You have Dave Bautista. Who I actually quite like. I think he's cool. Uh, I think he hasn't got enough meat to chew on. Pun partially intended. In most roles. So he doesn't really get to stand out. Probably the most compelling role he did was in fucking Blade Runner 2049. And the short film connected to it. Uh, and he tried his hand at a bit of drama with Bushwick and in this he's trying to do a bit of drama but he's also being a big hoorah mercenary guy Um, he's basically tasked with I should probably say zombie outbreak uh, in Las Vegas whole thing has gone to shit over there uh, as a result of military transporting this big super zombie who took over um, Las Vegas and they've walled the whole place off with big uh, tankers so all that's in there is just zombies and shite the plan is in two days they're going to nuke the whole fucking place to get rid of the zombie plague but hiroki Sonata who's scorpion in uh mortal Kombat, he has a casino there and he has some very important shit in his vault and he says i need you to get in there this is to batista assemble a crew get in break into my safe when i could just tell you the password steal the stuff i want you to steal and then get back out undetected now they say that there's restricted airspace so they can't fly in but the way they have to get out is to fly so how the fuck is that supposed to work it's just, it's one of those things where you're just looking at it going hang on there's no logic to this fucking story at all you just need to assemble a crew in there um gareth delahunt is his sort of right hand man and he's gone with them and he just has the most I'm going to betray the cast fucking head on him the whole fucking time. The Batista assembles a merry crew of fucking cunts. Really generic 2D shit characters who all have their quips, all have their one-liners, all are badass. Like, one one part of it that I just couldn't believe my eyes, how stupid it was is there's a woman who goes in with them and or there's this guy and his whole thing is that He has a YouTube channel where he goes around killing zombies. He's the big shit. And he's like, Oh, we're going to hire him. Like, really? Your mercenaries are going to hire this guy who has a YouTube channel killing zombies? But his mate, she says, I've never killed a zombie before. She's nervous. When she gets cornered, she becomes John Wick. And it's the stupidest fucking shit that I'm pretty sure Zack Snyder thinks this is going to look badass. People are going to be fucking foaming in their cacks at how cool this is. When they're not, you're sitting there looking at it going, This is dumb. But other than all that shit. You've got the garbage writing. It looks garbage. It doesn't make any sense. It's two and a half hours long. And honestly. I know he can be indulgent. I like indulgent directors. But fuck me. This did not need to be two and a half hours. There's at least. Half an hour of shite. Or more. Probably more actually. You probably whittle this down to an hour and 40 minutes. And make it a lot more speedy. But the idea is like they have this whole thing about these like super zombies that are intelligent and they kind of control the other zombies and yeah you're going a different direction than the typical zombies that walk around or whatever else but they, it doesn't go anywhere he it's like he again he thought of these ideas he thought siegfried and roy's tiger as a zombie that'd be an interesting striking visual so he wrote this fucking movie certain characters or explosions or let's have a zombie walk into this I can tell he just thought of all these ideas and just last minute fucking made a movie around them. And the movie he made around them is just Aliens, really. It's It follows the same beat. And I'm not the fucking first person to say this either. Everyone I know who's watched it said, yeah, that was basically a bad version of Aliens. And that's what it is. It's a fucking, it's a mess of a film. And uh, it's such a letdown because I know... The capability he has. Particularly with the zombie genre. He just made a, a dog's cunt. Of this fucking movie. And it's so disappointing. And. What's, uh, what really stood out as well. Is. So you had Tig Notaro. Who's a comedian. And. She well, she terribly cast in this film. I just don't buy her at all. But she was replacing Chris D'Elia. Who's. <laughs> and he said come out as a paedophile. But he was caught basically talking to underage fucking people. And his career went to shit. And he's still trying to salvage it. And it's just sad to see. Um, but he he shot all his scenes for this movie. So when that came out. They were like well. Him being in this movie when it comes out. Will hurt a big time. So we're going to reshoot some scenes. And digitally alter other ones. To include Tignataro. And fucking hell. For, like, for a movie with this budget. It's so obvious when. They're reshooting stuff and no one else is there. There's one point where she's in a helicopter talking to people. And you can tell she's just talking to Zack Snyder behind the camera. And no one else is there. And they're just pretending, editing her in to make it look like she's there. And there's there's other scenes where she's kind of on the the edge of a line of people. And they've clearly just superimposed her in where Crystal Lee is supposed to be. It's just, oh, it's fucking annoying. And I watched uh, the Red Letter Media review of this And there's something that I actually thought was just to do with my signal. I thought, okay, the signal on on Netflix has gone a bit shite, so there's some pixelation. It wasn't. There was dead pixels and pixelation around black areas in it that shouldn't be there, that were there. And this is a multi-million dollar fucking box office zombie movie by the guy who fucking did the fucking Superman and Batman films. How the fuck was he satisfied with this end product? It it blows my mind. You'd swear this is just some Michael Bay knockoff that he truly named. it's it's a, it's very hard to fucking believe that it's the same guy who directed Batman vs Superman or sorry Justice League, which is so methodical and plotting and how they want to do it in a good way. It's a, it's a fucking it's a disaster. So Army of the Dead, lots of people liked it. Lots of people are fucking stupid. Um, and I got to finish now with uh i was actually thinking i'd do a full episode i still might i actually might do an episode just dedicated to the rest of these films but i'm gonna just briefly talk about it i'll I'll go further in depth in that episode um than i will now about this but i watched spiral from the book of saw which is cleverly titled purely because this isn't a saw sequel it's a movie where it's a, like this could exist in a world where someone has watched the movie Saw. So you have Chris Rock in a, a against type character playing a kind of hardened Serpico esque detective who just does not like corruption whatsoever. And all of his partners in there hate him because he's not corrupt like they are. And the same thing happened to Serpico. It's basically bullshit. He's completely in the right, is what I'm trying to say. Um,. But there appears to be someone very similar to the Jigsaw killer from the Saw movies going around putting people in trap situations where they could save themselves or they could die. Um, and he has to try to figure out who it is because this is happening to cops. So it makes it a bit more personal, a bit more interesting. I think... See, if, if I'm not comparing it, for now I'm not going to compare it until I actually do a full Saw episode. I'm going to do a Saw episode same way I did that Death Wish one, which was overly ambitious at the time. But I, I reckon I can handle a Saw one now, because I've seen the Saw films a good few times. Especially recently, because I binge-watched them all before watching this. Um, On its own merits, it's an okay thriller. It, it kind of has that 90s, gritty, wants-to-be-like-7 vibe to it um there's some pretty gnarly bits of violence in it there's not many it's not as violent as the other saw films um but it's pretty grisly you can tell for a mainstream film and i'd say like even a mate of mine was in the cinema uh today watching it and or it might have been yesterday and he said that the audience were fucking screaming and screaming squirming and screaming oh my fucking mouth gone to shit i've been talking so long uh, squeamish and squirming and screaming are all the words I was combining there to make squeaming. Um, they were all reacting appropriately anyway. Uh, the bonus for this, as well, is right, because Chris Rock said, I'm a big Saw fan, so I'd love to do a Saw movie. Samuel L. Jackson apparently is also a huge Saw fan. So the two of them are in it. Sam Jackson plays his dad. And. Uh, I feel like that, like the, the, it could have gone through another pass. Right. Darren Lynn Belsman directed. He directed Saw 2, 3 and 4. I think he just did those ones. Yeah. Which. While I enjoy the movies. They look like fucking CSI TV shows. This looks like a real movie. So he's really upped his game in that department. Um, I think. It might be one I have to watch again. Just a lot didn't work for me. It's kind of. It's all over the place, twists you can see coming a mile away. Stupid stuff too. Stuff in it. I'm just looking at it, going, Oh you're trying to make a statement here, and you're failing." And uh, it's it's kind of just cringy in that sense. Nowhere near a, a, like a terrible movie. I I preferred most of the other Saw things to it. Still better than a, a couple of them. But I don't know. I feel like with Chris Rock, especially going against type playing a more gritty edgy character they could have given him a better film and same as sam jackson sam jackson is so underused uh in this film like i thought he'd be like the two of them were going to be detectives that was initially what i thought it was going to be so it's kind of disappointed that's not what it is again i'm not that's not ruining anything but i uh i don't know i guess i guess i expected something a bit better it's not terrible though it's entertaining if you if you like these types of just I suppose gritty cop thrillers with a serial killer. It has all those elements. You're gonna get your fix of that with this movie, but don't expect to be fucking blown away or that you're gonna get another seven on your hands because you're not. But easy breezy way to fucking spend 90 odd minutes or however long it is. But yeah, I think I'll will go I'll go a bit more deeper. When I actually talk about when i do my saw episode there'll be full spoilers so i'm going to talk about all of them completely in depth because that's what i do with the death wish one because like i said i mean what i was doing there like i rushed through these if i spoiled them i'd be fucking here all day but when i'm doing my saw episode it'll be completely full of spoilers so if you've no interest in saw films you probably won't enjoy listening but feel free to listen if you do have an interest in saw films watch them all before you hear this because i will ruin spiral as well um but yeah, there, there's my ambition now for the next episode to give you an episode just of me talking about torture devices and rating their quality and whatever else. But yeah, feels good to be back. Um, as I said, even though I was back a bit a month ago, but that was that was poisonous uh Thank you for listening. I'm looking forward now to this fucking Vinegar Syndrome haul. I'm actually going to on air, live, for all of you to hear. Just check that they fucking email me and say they've sent my shit because one of the lads got his email but he has a fucking half the amount of shit that I ordered so they're probably getting those orders out first no I haven't got mine yet so probably won't fucking arrive till next week but all you listening today tomorrow whenever the fuck you listen just cross your fingers that it arrives as soon as humanly possible because I am dying for this fucking set and I'm actually dying to talk about this stuff in a, Um, I, I need therapy after the amount of fucking movies I bought um but i think after doing this now like i'm glad i got to do this sale and i they do have an option on that sale where you can do a a half year subscription so i mean every month they bring out a bundle of could be five or six movies and sometimes the bundle might contain a box say it's five or six items but one of the bundles is four movies in it you do get a decent whack of stuff with it they're all limited editions you get early access to stuff half price on the the vsu's they give you a lot of, of benefits if you sign up for the half year package that means that you don't have to do anything every month you'll be sent the new batch of movies that comes out so it's extremely handy but it's pricey i am however thinking in november that i will get the year subscription for 2022 and just accept whatever arrives out to me and if it, and there's new there i can just add it to my box and i'll be happy out with that because it really it is a lot of money up front but when you see how much you save like it's it's a fucking bargain like it really is a, an insane deal that they do um i suppose on their end even though they're going to be losing their on money a lot of people will go for it so more people will go for that than there would be say people buying the individual releases so it probably is their biggest money maker uh even if you were to buy them separately you cost you hundreds and hundreds more so i'll do a whole fucking thing on vinegar syndrome when i do that uh that youtube thing but Let's hope I get these films in time. So, Thanks for listening if you made it this far. That was feature length. Even though I thought I'd be finished 25 minutes, half an hour ago. Uh, You're all stinking fucking cunts. And uh, I hope you're enjoying this weather listening to this. Goodbye.